from 88.7 FM WXDU Durham and available via podcast on the World Wide Web. This is Shooting the Bull, your weekly survey of what's happening in the Bull City, brought to you by the voices of the Durham blogosphere. The opinions expressed on this program belong to the individuals expressing them and do not necessarily reflect those of WXDU or Duke University. Good evening and welcome to Shooting the Bull for Thursday, November 19th, 2009. I'm Barry Reagan. I write at dependableerection.blogspot.com. Kevin Davis, publisher of Bull City Rising, has the night off. The exigencies of the daily lives of your co-host generally means that Shooting the Bull is not the place to turn to for breaking news. We're going to make a bit of an exception tonight. If you've been following the news blogs over the past few months... You're aware of the controversy that's been generated by the county's handling of the proposed 751 assemblage development near Jordan Lake in southwest Durham. A lawsuit against the county has already been filed by the developer, and after what happened in commissioners' chambers today, it seems likely that another suit will be filed against the county by opponents of the project. That's no mean feat. We spent some time on shooting the bull this year trying to unravel the knots for you. I was at the commissioners' meeting today and had the chance to speak to some of the players. Elaine Kyoso is executive director of the Haw River Assembly. According to the Assembly, tributaries of the Haw River and Jordan Lake flow through Guilford, Rockingham, Caswell, Alamance, Orange, Chatham, Wake, and Durham counties. I talked with Elaine today about her work before the meeting. We're a member of Waterkeeper Alliance, the international organization that works to protect rivers, so I'm the actual river keeper. And what does that entail? Well, being a river keeper um, doesn't change too much for the Hall River Assembly. We became a, a river keeper organization last year, but it, it's a commitment to using um, the law, whether federal, state, or local, to to make sure that water is protected. So we have the Clean Water Act, we have state laws, we have county and city laws, and often they're not being enforced. Um, so it's a commitment by an organization once they become a water keeper um, group that they will um, use the law. You know, in addition to all the other things we do, which are educational and you know, do you, do you yourself have a legal background, or you have staff no. attorneys? No, and no, and we don't have staff attorneys either. And that's but, typical of waterkeeper organizations. When you need legal help, you look for who's out there that can do it in a way that you can afford. And we're very lucky in North Carolina that we have the Southern Environmental Law Center here. This, which which they can't just jump up and take any case that comes along, you know. Any new development that's being built might have water quality problems, but they're always going to be looking for cases that will advance case law, may have some precedent, and this is, of course, um, they are working with us on this case. This is an extremely unusual case uh, that we're looking at. Um, There's some overarching issues here that have to do with the state's lack of guidance on how boundary lines are set on huge drinking water reservoirs. And Steve Bocchino is a resident of South Durham who's been active in neighborhood and environmental causes for several years. I asked Steve what he hoped to accomplish today. Today's meeting is a closed session. 
Uh, will there be any, uh, are you expecting any opportunity to, to address the commissioners today? I hope that we can uh, address the commissioners before they go into closed session, try to influence their uh, their thinking on this. Uh, if not, I believe there will be some time after the, the, uh, the closed session to have an open public hearing. And, and what, what is it that you would say to the commissioners if you've had the opportunity to address them this morning? If I, if I uh, talk to them before they go in, I would try to tell them that uh, they, they remedied half the problem when they, they admitted at long last after 45 days that the protest petition was valid. Now, don't ask the citizens to mount a court challenge to remedy the second part of the problem. It, admit that you were wrong. Admit that the 3-2 vote was not enough and uh, that the rezoning is subsequently failed. And if you, if you do force citizens to mount a, a, a lawsuit, you will lose. You have already admitted your error. You cannot win. <laughs> now, today's closed session of the county commissioners was being held, according to a county press release, to consult with an attorney to preserve the attorney-client privilege and to discuss Southern Durham Development, Inc., v. Durham County, filed in Durham County Superior Court pursuant to NCGS 143-318.11A3. So how is it that we got to this point where a developer is suing the county uh, in order to um, pursue their development project? Durham spent six or seven years crafting a Uniform Development Ordinance, or UDO, which was supposed to lay out in dry technical detail every step of the process for developing or redeveloping every parcel of real estate in the county. Elaine Kioso talks about where things went awry. Sometime uh, 18 or 24 months ago, then Durham City County Planning Director Frank Duke issued a ruling redrawing the boundary, the, the critical watershed boundary, around certain areas of Jordan Lake. Yeah, it was actually January 2006. I haven't had so, so it's, it's almost four years ago that that, that that ruling was issued now. Yes. All right, so so four years ago that ruling was issued. And At he, the request of a developer who had right. done their own survey. Right, and he accepted the survey. And at some point after that, some group, and I don't know if it was your group? Uh, no, who, in 2008, um, the county, um, that being the attorney and the planner, really discovered that Duke had done this and he did not have the authority to do it because when you're, this is not just a zoning change, this is a watershed boundary change and um, thus state law is invoked. So he would have needed to both um, followed the procedures for a zoning change in the county which would have been public hearings, the planning commission being involved and um, submitting it to the state for their approval. So they basically, the attorney and, and planning director at that point in 2008, they said we, the point goes back to where it had been, this boundary line. The original USGS point is what it is until all this other process takes place. Now, in 2009, those processes have, in fact, taken place. So there was a very controversial vote in, uh, that happened in uh, yeah. April. Oh. Oh. April 13th, 2009 is when the county commissioners voted to send the entire thing back through that public process and do it the right way. That was a three to two vote though, it you know, barely squeaked through. Right. And following that, the developers sued the county saying, you know, basically, you're costing us money, you didn't need to send it back. 
I think the law is very clear that they did, but nonetheless, Southern Development sued. Now, your group and citizens who live down in uh, the area filed what's called a protest petition um, in September, October of 2009. And the way the law is written, as we, as we understand it, once that petition is filed and deemed to be valid, the redrawing of the watershed boundaries can no longer be done by a simple majority, but needs to be done by what's called a supermajority. Right. Initially, uh, the Planning Commission ruled the petition invalid, presented that information to the County Commissioners, and on the 12th of October, the Commissioners took a vote, three to two, to approve the redrawing of the watershed, which would have enabled the developer to file a rezoning exactly. request for the high-density development. Exactly. It's taken me... No, it's very good. It's very good. It's very it's, complex. It's taken me three months yeah. to, to, to wrap my head around, around exactly right. what that issue is, and I know that there are people who are, who are still having a hard time um, figuring it out. So... The commissioners voted three to two to accept the, the redrawing of the of the watershed area uh, in October, and your group immediately challenged the ruling that your petition was not valid. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, it was only you know just a, it was it was like basically the Friday before their vote that we um, we only had a few days when they announced it's not valid. We immediately said, "Give us all your give us all your information. Show us show us how you." shows how you decided that it was invalid. It, and of course, we didn't get their information. We needed what's called GIS shape files to see how they did it. And so it took quite a bit of time before we got all the information we needed. Then it took us a good two weeks of pouring over it to understand what they'd done and to find the error. And the error was um, a piece of property that they basically hadn't counted. So back in April, of 2009, the Board of County Commissioners, by a three to two vote, decided to try to find some middle road in all of this. They agreed with opponents of the project that former planning director Frank Duke did not have the authority to unilaterally redraw the critical watershed boundary. However, they also made a decision not to commission their own survey and come up with a new and perhaps more objective line. After all, one of the biggest complaints being raised by opponents of the project is that the developer had an obvious conflict of interest when it came to the outcome of the survey for which they had paid. However, the State Department of Water Quality issued a ruling which upheld the methodology of the survey. Another survey paid for and undertaken by opponents of the project was never considered by the county. The commissioner's vote meant that the proposed new boundary was now subject to a public hearing process and a new vote by the board. That decision prompted the first lawsuit against the county from the developer. In that suit, the developer states that the initial decision by Frank Duke was in fact legally valid and that the cost of the subsequent delays in the project should be paid for by the county as a result of their actions. Today's meeting was ostensibly to deal with that lawsuit, but another matter crept in. State law requires that if a valid protest, is, protest petition is submitted by qualified neighbors in a rezoning case, then the body charged with hearing and deciding that case cannot make its decision by simple majority vote. Rather, it needs a two-thirds supermajority. In practical terms, what that means in Durham County is that commissioners must approve properly challenged rezoning requests by a four-to-one majority rather than a three-to-two. Opponents of the project submitted a protest petition. On October 9, 2009, the planning department denied the validity of the petition. 
And on October 12th, the commissioners, by a three to two vote, approved the redrawing of the critical watershed area. Opponents immediately challenged the finding that the petition was invalid. On Friday, November 15th, the planning department reversed itself and sent a memo to County Manager Mike Ruffin announcing that it now believed the petition was valid. Last night, at the request of several parties, we released a memorandum dated, I released a memorandum dated November 18th, 2009, to me from Steve Mellon, City County Planning Director, and the subject was the Hall River Assembly Protest Petition Validity Georgia Watershed Case Z Z zero nine. Zero 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 nine. We uh, consulted with counsel regarding that substance of that memorandum. What, if any, part of it would be uh, protected under North Carolina law from public disclosure? And County Attorney Lowell Seiler explained further what the memo means. If you read uh, even the redacted version of the memo from. Mr. Midland to Mr. Ruffin, you'll see that referenced in there is uh, a question of law that Steve left unanswered and asked our office to answer as it relates to the validity of the protest petition. And um, so our office has given an interpretation of that point. Um, that interpretation was prepared in anticipation of litigation because uh, based upon the information that we have, the initial decision still has to go to Superior Court based upon the advice that we were given from other experts. And please understand, from what I understand, we are pretty much on uncharted territory. Uh, not a lot of case law on this. And so we have um, discuss these issues uh, with experts over at the School of Government, and they have uh, opined that this issue still needs to go to Superior Court. And so, again, our interpretation on the legal issues that Mr. Bevan asked us to uh, give an interpretation on, I think those issues need to be discussed with you uh, to direct us as to how you want to proceed forward in the litigation. And please understand, what happens as it relates to the protest also impacts what happens with certain motions and actions that have been filed in the Southern Durham Development Lawsuit, which has already been filed. So they're separate, but they are intertwined. I'd like to remind you folks that you are listening to Shooting the Bull on WXDU Durham. Following the uh, leak, or the release, uh, if you will, of uh, the, the memorandum from the Durham City County Planning Department on Friday, opponents of the 751 Assemblage Project saw the opening that they had been seeking. All right, and the memo that, uh, that, that County Manager Mike Ruffin referred mm -hmm. to earlier was released to the public yesterday. Yes. Accepts the validity of the petition. Uh, basically, this is it. On subsequent reevaluation of the protest petition, it has been determined that the, the protest petition met the minimum requirements of UDO section and is therefore a valid protest petition. So, once the protest petition is valid, now the supermajority is required to redraw the watershed area. Your group's position is that the vote 
that was taken, the three to two vote on October 12th, should stand. And the petition, the the redrawing should be denied on the grounds that it doesn't meet the four to one doesn't super majority. Doesn't meet the super majority, right. Are you hearing from the county that they uh, that they are willing to accept your interpretation? Well, we're going to find out, I suppose. We might find out after this um, closed session what they intend to do next. Right. Um, what, what Lowell Seiler was saying before um, before you arrived, and Lowell Seiler is a county attorney, uh, is that this has to go to Superior Court. Which is ludicrous, really, you know, when, when you're saying that it, it was a tremendous effort by s citizens using the law of Durham County to do this protest petition. It's not an easy thing to do. That's a tremendous amount of time went into that. It was valid to tell those same citizens they have to sue the county, which costs, you know, really, a lawsuit, Superior Court, you know, if you, if you can find a lawyer that um, will represent you at a reduced rate because you're a group of citizens, I mean, you're still talking thousands of dollars, maybe $10,000. Where does that come from? You know, and these are citizens of Durham being asked to spend their money in a court case with their county who they pay the taxes for. I mean, it's really, to me, this is really quite ludicrous. If it's valid, it's valid. And the county can simply take another vote if they don't feel like they can simply reverse it. They have the authority to do that. They absolutely have the authority to say, okay, we'll take another vote. But things took an unexpected turn. Following nearly an hour and 20 minutes behind closed doors, commissioners, County Manager Mike Ruffin and County Attorney Lowell Seiler emerged and made the following statement. Mr. Chair, members of the Commission, um, the County Attorney's Office states that the action of the Board of Commissioners on October 12, uh, 2009 must, must go to Superior Court. Um, and secondly, that the County Attorney's Office has concerns regarding the standing of the uh, homeowners association uh, to have standing to designate someone to sign the protest petition. I, I want to just get something clarified on the public record. We did have discussion about whether our board could rehear uh, the case given the new information regarding the protest petition. I'd like you to outline why we can't. Pursuant to the UDO provision 3.5.15 subsequent amendments, when the governing body has taken action on a zoning map change, no new application may be filed for a similar zoning map change until at least 12 months have elapsed since the date of the previous action. Any other questions, comments? If not, then this brings our meeting to a close at 11.42. Can I ask one question of the county attorney? Uh, when you are saying we must go to court, you're talking about on the validity of the protest petition, uh, uh, the validity of, the, of what of the, uh, whether or not Frank Duke had the authority to move the line. Uh, Commissioner, and why are we going court on? I want the public to understand. Commissioner Heron, uh, right now we are talking about 
issues relative to the protest petition and the resulting decision that was made on October 12th. And it's the position of the county attorney's office that our office has concerns about standing, et cetera, and that our office will defend the decision that you took on October 12th. Well, uh, we're not taking into consideration uh, the opinion of our planning director. All things are being taken into consideration. Again, I'll emphasize that, and even uh, mentioned within the body of the uh, planning director's memorandum, you'll see there that he asked the county attorney's office for an interpretation on a legal issue. We've given that interpretation. And again, I emphasize that um, it's our position that your decision on October 12 has to, it has to, it's mandated that it go to Superior Court. And we'll defend that action. That was um, County Commissioner Ellen Reckow and County Commissioner Becky Heron questioning County Attorney Lowell Seiler during the, uh, the open part of today's public, uh, public County Commissioner's hearing. The county attorney's defense of the finding of the invalidity of the petition now rests on one particular signature, that of John Gunter, president of the Chancellor's Ridge Homeowners Association. As planning director Midland wrote in his memo, the remaining signature for the Chancellor's Ridge Homeowners Association needed additional research. This necessitated that the president of the Homeowners Association be contacted to obtain additional information. This information included the Homeowners Association Declaration of Covenants, Conditions and Restrictions, Bylaws, Minutes from the Association Annual Meeting, and Minutes from the Board of Directors Meeting authorizing the signing of the protest petition. Based on planning staff's review of this additional information, it is believed that the signature is adequate. However, the impact of the Homeowners Association taking ownership action without member involvement may render the petition invalid as a matter of law, which a court will have to address. Siler's position is that it is up to the courts to rule that Gunter's signature is valid. He maintained repeatedly that the attorney's office will continue to defend the October 12 vote. But things get even more interesting. My co-host, Kevin Davis, published the following on Bull City Rising, his uh, uh, really remarkable blog, late this afternoon. In September, the president of the Homeowners Association, who had a neighbor tells BCR, been a project proponent, through the, though the neighborhood reportedly had taken no voter position on the matter, was voted out of office. Then or soon thereafter, the HOA board moved to support the protest petition. It's by no means clear that Shane Kirk's replacement had anything to do with his support of the 751 assemblage project, BCR's source says. But Kirk took the opportunity to complain to BOCC members about the HOA's participation in the process. From Kirk's email and from Bull City Rising source reporting, a vote of the Homeowners Association membership doesn't appear to have occurred. The one would need to consult the Homeowners Association bylaws and probably state statutes governing homeowners associations in general to understand whether or not such was necessary. Kirk complained to the county commissioners in an email. He wrote, I am writing this email opposing a recent action taken by the Chancellor's Ridge Homeowners Association in which they signed a protest petition against the plan amendment for the 751 assemblage. Up until September 22, 2009, I was president of the Chancellor's Ridge HOA and a member of the board for five years. As such, I have intimate knowledge of our community and the information that the HOA has regarding our community as a whole in relation to the proposed development of Southern Durham Development. Up until September 22, 2009, the HOA had no formal query of the residents and still does not today, since none has been taken, as to the majority opinion of these actions, and on this development. 
Therefore, I believe that the HOA in taking this step has violated the trust of the residents of Chancellor's Ridge and those members of the association. And I will be investigating if they have violated any fiduciary responsibility by taking such action without having the knowledge of the desires of the residents and whether taking such action is a power that was bestowed on them within the Chancellor's Ridge bylaws. Specifically, they may have violated Article 6, Section 6.2, and Article 7, Powers and Duties of the Board of Directors. They have instead listened to a few interested parties, including some from outside the Chancellor's Ridge community, and taking this decision to sign the petition. Following Seiler's announcement, I asked both Bikino and Kioso for their reaction. Uh, one more unbelievable move by the county. Uh, I think they want this to go to court where they're sure to lose. So I, I waste money, time, effort, and generate a whole lot more aggravation. Very disappointed in this decision. Um, we think it's clear that the uh, Chancellor's Ridge President of the Homeowners Association had that authority. Uh, I understand he has sent in an affidavit um, about his, his signature. I think. I think it's just outrageous that it's this difficult for citizens to um, do a protest petition, which is part of the Unified Development Ordinance. It took tremendous resources um, for these citizens to get this far, including obviously the efforts of the Hall River Assembly and Southern Environmental Law Center, and uh, at every corner we're being told it just isn't good enough, and clearly is telling citizens um, of their own county they have to take you to court to make something valid, which the planner has said is valid. Uh, to me, that's just wrong. So they've spoken, and um, we will now figure out exactly you know, what we'll what we'll do next. Right, County Attorney uh, Seiler indicated that this would have to be resolved in Superior Court. Is your group um, able, yeah, prepared same. or able to, to make that move? We're working on it right now. Hmm. You know, we're, we're hoping we can um, we can meet that challenge. It's um, but it's a big challenge. You know, you're talking about a lot of expense on the part of citizens that um, you know the way it was presented here today made it sound like. Uh, this will be resolved in Superior Court. It, that's not exactly the same as saying we're telling the citizens that they have to bring a lawsuit, hire a lawyer, take us to court to get resolution on this issue. <laughs> that's a little different than the way it was presented here, if you didn't know the process. But County Attorney Lowell Seiler was quite clear about his position following the meeting. The County Attorney's position right now is that the three to two vote as it stands moves the watershed boundary without the need for a supermajority vote as would have been required had the protest petition been ruled valid before that vote was taken. We're gonna we're gonna defend the action that they took, the vote that they took on October twelfth. So with the critical watershed boundary being moved as a result of that vote. Again, it's the county's position that that movement is valid, despite the fact that the, um, that, that, that the opinion of the, of the planning commissioner's office is that the petition is valid. Please understand, we're going to defend the action, the vote that they took. Several county commissioners made themselves scarce following the adjournment of the meeting. One who stuck around was the longest-serving member of the board, Becky Heron. Although she's one of the most soft-spoken people in Durham, it was pretty clear that Commissioner Heron 
was none too happy with the way things are turning out in this case. Well, my, my problem is that I feel that uh, the uh, Cancer Ridge Homeowners uh, president, from everything I have heard, had the authority to sign for the common area. I think that's pretty normal procedure in homeowners associations. And uh, this is where a lot of the fault was, was, well, a lot was questioned this morning, whether or not the uh, homeowner's director had the authority to sign that, that open area, whether he had that kind of authority. There's been some question, that's the big question. Had he, because they're questioning whether or not it was a valid protest petition. So, so the county attorney's office is disagreeing with the memorandum set out by the planning department's yeah, director because, uh, that the yeah, petition was Steve valid. Yeah, it was a legitimate prote protest petition. The county attorney, who is very new at being a county attorney, uh, has uh, said that... Uh, he, he doesn't think that the Were the commissioners unanimous in supporting the county attorney's decision? No. I, I, I do not agree with it, and I don't know about the rest of them. We did not take a vote back here because we can't do that. But I do not agree with his opinion. Because so, I've, I've, so I've been involved in zoning issues for 27 years. See, I've been a county commissioner. Never have I, have I had to go through what we have had to go through with this, uh, this, this, this particular case. Do you expect that the petitioners will take the county to court over this? Do you, do you anticipate this going to Superior Court, as the county attorney suggested well, it must be resolved? that's what he's suggesting, that we go to court. Now, the big question is this, and what concerns me a great deal, and if I'm repeating myself, I apologize, but way back when, we had an opportunity $85,000 to do an independent survey of the lake. It was voted down three to two. And so now what we're having to do, and this is one of our commissions that talks about spending too much money. So here we are now uh, having to hire outside counsel because they relieved our long-term attorney of his position as county attorney. And uh, now we are having to go out and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on outside counsel. Now this is taxpayers' money that we did not have to spend. If uh, the Hall River Assembly or um, any group of citizens that was part of the original protest petition files a suit in Superior Court, you will now be defending yourselves against both sets of parties in, you, in this lawsuit. You does, got, does that make sense? Well, you got me because, you know, you get in all this legal jargon, who's suing who? But right now it seems like attorneys know nothing to do but go to court. So there you have what I hope is a relatively complete summary of where things stand with the county commission and the proposed 751 assemblage project in southwest Durham. The subtext to Thursday, oh, excuse me. As a commenter on dependable erection, my blog wrote this week, the subtext to Thursday's closed session of the Board of County Commissioners goes something like this. The county is going to be sued by whichever party we rule against. One of the primary determinants of the cost of defending a lawsuit is the amount of money and time the plaintiff is willing to and able to spend on the lawsuit. Southern Durham Development has already filed suit, and their client has millions of dollars in property development value riding on it. 
The Hall River Assembly and Southern Environmental Law, St- Law Center haven't demonstrated that they can or will bring the same firepower to the courtroom. So the best way to save the county a bunch of money is to deny the protest petition and hunker down. I'm not smart enough to say that that's what's going on here, but it may not be that far off the mark. Due to a quirk in state law, opponents of the project have until December 11th, 60 days from the vote upholding the change in the watershed boundary, to file a suit challenging the validity of that vote. They say they need to raise $10,000 by Monday to retain an attorney to file the suit. As of this afternoon, they were about 20% of the way there. If you'd like more information on how you can contribute to that fund, should it uh, be something you would like to do, send an email to mmr121570 at yahoo.com and ask for more information. That's mmr121570 at yahoo.com. For Kevin Davis, I'm Barry Reagan. The program is Shooting the Bull, heard Thursday evenings on WXDU Durham. You can find our podcast at the iTunes store. Search on Shooting the Bull. Have a great Thanksgiving holiday. Kevin and I will rejoin you in two weeks. I sit here alone On the banks of the river The logs the wind blows And the water's high I can hear a voice call out there in the dark yeah. But I sit here alone Too lonesome to cry